Your Los Angeles police are on the air. Through the cooperation of Warner Brothers radio station KFWB, the Los Angeles Police Department presents On the Beat half-hour radio show featuring music by the Los Angeles Police Band under the direction of Officer J. Edmund Byrd. I'm Officer Cliff Bailey, who will walk with you on the beat. On this program, we'd like to have the policeman and the citizen become better acquainted by showing the citizen the policeman's problems as he patrols his beat. With mutual helpfulness and understanding, many crimes can be prevented. Remember, the policeman in fighting crime needs the friendly support of every Los Angeles citizen. Each week at this point in our program, On the Beat, we bring to our microphone a special guest. Tonight, we are especially proud to present the new chief executive of the Los Angeles Police Department, Chief of Police William H. Parker. Chief Parker, I'm sure our listeners would like to know, know more about you. How long have you been a police officer? I was appointed a patrolman in the Los Angeles Police Department August the 8th, 1927. So I'm just completing my 23rd year of service. Well, Chief Parker, during those first years on the department as a new policeman, did you ever think then that one day you would be chief of police? No, I, I gave it very little thought. Uh, of course, as other young men who entered the department, I was ambitious to progress through the ranks and uh, thought more about the rank immediately ahead than the ultimate uh, high command of the department. Well, uh, Chief, is it true that you are also a lawyer? Yes, I completed uh, my legal studies in 1930, received my LLB degree and was successful in uh, passing the bar examination that same year. Well, then, uh, you started your uh, law studies before you entered the department, did you? At the time I started the study of law, I was a taxi cab driver in the city of Los Angeles. Oh, is that true, Chief? I read many uh, of my law while uh, waiting for customers. <laughs> well, I imagine in those days that uh, there was more waiting time between customers than there is today in our busy city of Los Angeles. Well, that is correct. The taxi cab business at times was in a lull. <laughs> well, Chief Parker, I know that you were a veteran of World War II. Uh, where did you serve? I entered the uh, Army of the United States in May 1943. And after some courses at Fort Custer, Michigan and Harvard University, I was sent to Africa as a military government officer. And from there, I went to the island of Sardinia, where I served with the Allied Commission that was established to govern the island. Well, how long were you over there overseas, uh, Chief? Twenty-six months in total. After leaving Sardinia, I was sent to England to do some work in the pre-invasion planning uh, uh, in preparation for the Normandy invasion. Oh, yes, I see. Well, I, I heard uh, also that you were awarded the Croix de Guerre by the... French government, and that uh, you also earned the Purple Heart. Five days after crossing Omaha Beach into Normandy, I was the subject of a strafing attack by a German Messerschmitt and received a slight head wound. 
And, of course, uh, that automatically entitled me to the Purple Heart. I see. And then after going into Paris, I spent eight months as the executive officer to the military government officer of Paris. And for the work done there, the Free French Government awarded me the Croix de Guerre of Ecoutoile d'Argent, which means the Croix de Guerre with service d'art. Uh, Chief Parker, would you care at this time to make any brief statement of your policy? Police service uh, depends upon certain fundamentals. Certainly, uh, we intend to enforce the law, but not in any harsh or unreasonable manner. It is essential that a police department be both honest and efficient. And if we have those two elements in our organization and give proper consideration to the rights of the citizen, I'm certain that we will receive the support and cooperation of the good citizens of this city and do a good job. Well, Chief Parker, I can speak for the members of the Los Angeles Police Department when I say that we are 100% behind you. And I'm sure that Los Angeles citizens will be justly proud of you as our new Chief of Police. Thank you, Chief of Police William H. Parker, for being our guest this evening on The Beat. Join us on The Beat next week at this same time for more music and entertainment designed for your listening pleasure. Until then, this is Officer Cliff Bailey ringing in and reminding you that crime prevention is everybody's business. Make it your business, won't you? What you've just heard is a clip from the On the Beat recording from August 5th, 1950. Can you imagine anything so old? <laughs> no, I can't. I don't. That's that's another century, and I don't remember any of it. I don't remember anything from 2001. I had a Y2K in my own brain, and I just wiped everything. And then I killed my owners. So, oh, hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hey, everybody. I just admitted to murder. Hi. <laughs> owner side isn't... There's no law against that. There's nothing, yeah. If a dog kills its owner, it's... This innocent. is why we're here. We have to create laws to prevent the rise of the machines now. Good night, everybody. <laughs> If a drone kills its own owner. Does a tree fall in the forest? Are you going to smack me in the mouth? What are you yeah. doing? I don't like your teeth. I'm just moving that a little bit. Okay. You can just do whatever you want to me, I guess. <laughs> can I kill you then, since you think you own me? Ha 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 friends, ha ha ha. So we're here to introduce, uh, what is this, our third field trip episode? Yeah, this is number three. I think yeah. so, yeah. This episode is with Michael Holland of the Los Angeles City Archives. It was so much fun going. Yeah, I loved uh, it. Yeah, I had gone once before and I sat in like the main study room that he has, like a little hall with a bunch of desks. And it was cool and I liked it a lot, but he showed us around and I, yeah, I kind of lost... business is done. Yeah, I, I kind of lost my mind. It was so much fun. The obvious thing that we keep referring it yeah. to as is uh, the end of uh, Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark. Uh, but in reality, that is it. Yeah, it's that's that's the that, one. Yeah, that's it. It must have been what it was like in when did King Kong come out? Like the twenties or thirties? The nineteen thirty, I think. When or am I a King Kong expert all of a sudden? <laughs> hey, I am. Yeah, you. I know. <laughs> you would be the person I am. <laughs> what was it like? August twenty first, nineteen thirty. What was that? A chilly evening. When <laughs> <laughs> the way audiences must have felt when they saw King Kong come. That's how I felt when Michael <laughs> opened the door and I just saw the shadow. And King Kong was in yeah, there. Yeah, like the silhouette of a really tall. I see shelf. a silhouette of a man. It was it overwhelming. Was, yeah, it was overwhelming other than that my favorite memory of going there was we were walking he was talking about something almost about like the uh, minutes the giant minutes books mm -hmm. from like you know 1875 as we're walking past that my eye caught something so i i stopped 
and I had to do a double take, and it's just a giant box that said LAPD. I'm like, I need to go through that box. <laughs> well, that's how he, he he saw how interested yeah, we were he, in that. His he, spider sense went off. Yeah, he sent us these uh, like you know old dragnet and yeah. like real police recordings. Which Parker, also, yeah, yeah. At the end of this uh, episode, we're gonna play an old missing persons report, which yeah. is uh, very sad, but it's also really interesting yeah. to hear. So stay tuned for that after the actual interview. Yeah, and he was very generous with us. Oh yeah, and he it was great. Touch he, everything. <laughs> he let us. I mean, I've never licked so many old pieces of paper <laughs> i've never been able to sneeze on so many founding documents in my life yeah that was a really great episode good time yeah i really loved it and yeah. thanks again to mike for doing this also uh for us uh you won't hear our voices at the end of this episode so we'll say it now leave us a review on oh, itunes right. yeah. you know five stars those are the best kind mm-hmm. when there's five of them they get lonely if there's less if you have an iphone just open your podcast app it makes it easier for people to find us you can find us on facebook search ally meekly you can be our friend on there you can uh, buy us roses and uh, <laughs> you can buy us you can poke us on facebook <laughs> that's still a thing no oh. you can follow us on twitter yeah. at ally meekly instagram la underscore meekly we have a tumblr page allymeekly.tumblr.com that's our main hub we have a podcast archive so you can look up any episode you want if you think that you would be a good subject for one of these mm-hmm. episodes if you work somewhere of historical significance or just interesting in LA send us an email la.meekly at gmail.com or you know you can you can poke us on gmail too <laughs> just no, you poke can. us wherever you find us just poke us I prefer if you didn't poke us I prefer if you didn't I'm so lonely <laughs> Michael Holland gives his contact information on here on the episode so you can listen for that at the end yeah and also i mean we talk about it but if you need to see anything from the past of los angeles go there contact him it's 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 a great resource it's great yeah Uh, a lot of times that i've gone through the lapl to get information they've kind of referred me to yeah he's the guy yeah he's the guy he's the the man behind the curtain yeah he's the man without a face he's the man uh thousand voices (laughs) he is i feel like you described david bowie like three times (laughs) he's not david bowie Wait, what? <laughs> why did I go? I thought we were talking to David Bowie. I kept asking about why there's so many spiders on Mars. All right, just play the recording. Forget it. What's a lead insane mean? <laughs> why are your eyes different? <laughs> All right, enjoy. <laughs> Who are you, and how long have you lived in L.A.? My name is Michael Holland. I'm the city archivist for Los Angeles, and I live in Altadena, and I've been there 19 years. I grew up in Orange County, so I'm a Southern California native, Mm -hmm. but ironically, I've never lived in the city of Los Angeles (laughs) proper. So where are we right now? What is the official title of this place? We are at the Los Angeles City Archives. We are part of a city complex known as the C. Irwin Piper Technical Center. Uh, We are downtown Los Angeles. And our street address is 555 Ramirez Street. And we are a half block east of the Patsoros Travel Center at the Union Station Depot. So what do you do here? What what are your roles and your duties? As city archivist, I manage the historic city government documents Mm -hmm. that the city of Los Angeles has generated uh, as early as 1827 up to the present. Now, that 
takes the form of council files, council materials such as meeting minutes, whether they're in written form or audio form or video form. We have uh, supporting materials for a lot of city departments such as annual budgets, annual reports. We have some council matic collections, meaning materials from city council offices. Mm -hmm. We have uh, several photograph collections. We have a map collection. We have film and video collection. Uh, we have a lot. We have some ephemera as well, but uh, so we have those types of materials that uh, that we house, and we make those available to pretty much anyone who wants to see them. We are open to the public, and so that means that the members of the general public, as well as city employees, uh, journalists, scholars, you name it, people come in to through our doors all the time because you were saying about the not the footage from like the riots and all that stuff and the documentary mm -hmm. crews that were coming in for all of the the things do a lot of documentary crews or like even just like regular movie crews do they come in here to get information on anything they might need we don't get that much contact with uh, mainstream uh, film or uh, television production once in a while someone may want to come in to get a shot of our record center which when you saw it <laughs> yeah it's that it's it's visually impressive as far as how far the the aisles go, how high up they go, how many boxes, and so there's a visual wow factor that uh, yeah. that that some people seem to they seem to enjoy. Yeah. You know, you think last shot of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, and that kind of paints a picture for you. The materials that uh, that you're referring to had to do with the uh, 1992 uh, riots that took place in the city. And uh, these come from the LEPD video collection because LEPD has been making their own training materials for use at the uh, police academy since the 1940s. And so that means they are constantly documenting everything going on around them mm -hmm. as either demonstrations of teachable moments when things go right and okay, how could we how could we do this better next time when something goes wrong? And so, to that effect, they have video, you know, hours and hours and hours of video of all sorts of things going on in the city. Some of them are, are, are of historic value, such as the 1992 riots that uh, that you mentioned. Yeah. We just went through the 25th anniversary of the unrest, and about a year and a half ago. In, well in advance of uh, the anniversary, documentarians were asking for footage. They were looking around for people with home movies. They contacted us, hearing that we had some, and we do, quite a bit as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And w by the time everything had premiered on television and had been shown, uh, there were five productions that I knew of and four that we had actually contributed materials to. Amazing, yeah. Yeah. Now, so that means that these four companies, these five companies, got the same material, mm -hmm. but yeah. each one, but each one put their own different spin on it. Yeah. Okay. Who did it best? And, well, <laughs> that that's that's not my job to say who did it best. The bottom line is that we provided the same exact access, yeah. and it was up to the produ the producers themselves to take it, spin it the way they wanted to, put it together the way they wanted to present their version of the story, and. That's really what we're about here. We provide access to the information. I don't offer interpretation or commentary mm -hmm. uh, very often simply because that's not my role. Yeah. My role is to make the stuff available and to make that as easy as possible and make it as 
available in as many ways as possible, especially with all the digital technologies and things that are easy nowadays. Well, you were also saying, because there wasn't much of a fee for them to look into that sort of thing, because when you were telling us, I was like, oh, you, they probably made a nice profit off of this, but that's impressive that it's, I'm sure most people don't know, it just, it's just there, like they don't, yeah. yeah. Well, that's because that this, these are public records. Mm -hmm. These are basically taxpayer created. The taxpayers paid for LEPD to go out and shoot all of this stuff. They they pay my salary. And so unless there are very specific legally binding restrictions, <laughs> my job is to make this material as available as easily and completely as I can. Yeah. Now, in the case of videotape, um, I have the ability to provide them with a very low-grade screener quality. If they want something high-end for broadcast purposes, that's what they're going to have to pay for out of their own pockets. I have a vendor that I use who I trust with this material, and I basically deliver the material to him. He and the producers work out a schedule and a price, and then I pick up the materials when they're done. My only request is that I get a high-definition quality reproduction of everything they're copying. So that way I am backing up my original materials with uh, at least one more, if not more, digital copies Great. for for the future. Uh, and, the cor and of course, the, the documentarians and producers, they're also in charge of doing all the rights and clearances. Mm -hmm. My job is to make the stuff available. I can demonstrate any number of ways that this is the property of the city of Los Angeles. Yeah. This was created by Los Angeles. If their lawyers aren't convinced, that's up to them to work it out. <laughs> yeah. okay? Your job's done. Yeah. Our, jo yeah, our job is to make the stuff available. Uh -huh. The rest of it is up to them. Right. Uh, and just to go back to uh, some of your duties here, can we go over how massive the uh, room is in there? Because you, <laughs> just a, a side thing, you also offer tours, right, on I Saturdays? Do. Okay, great. I do. Just so uh, people listening can one day come and see how incredible that room is. But just if you can go over like okay. the size. You're talking about the city record centers, yes. one of two storage rooms that we have here at, uh, at the records management. That space is 45,000 square feet. It has a storage <laughs> capacity of 190,000 boxes of approximately one cubic foot each. Those are where the operating records or the temporary records for most of the city departments are kept. Now, they're not complete. We don't have all of the city records in one location. Mm -hmm. Every department has materials they keep for themselves because they're actively using them, so they want to keep them close at hand. Uh, in some cases, they may have materials that they just want to keep for themselves and they can in fact uh, keep them restricted access and mm -hmm. so they're allowed to do that. Uh, there are specialized records such as LEPD evidence. Yeah. LEPD has specialized storage because they are uh, investigative materials. Mm -hmm. There is no reason in the world why anyone else outside of an LEPD detective or investigator want, would should or, or would want to see these things and yeah. so they will never be found here, and frankly, I'm perfectly happy with that. <laughs> you know, they can, they can keep as much of that stuff as they like, yeah. <laughs> and they do. DWP and airport are two departments that we don't have materials for because they're big enough. They have their own storage. Mm -hmm. They have their own archives, and so they have their own, their own policies on how materials are accessed. Harbor is a relatively recent addition to our collection, and right. for a long time they were also proprietary in that way, but they've decided they want to do a little bit less of that. And so now we have a lot of uh, Harbor Department materials that basically haven't really been available for many, many years. And so now they can be looked at. Do you, because you've been doing this a while, do you get overwhelmed? Because that was when I, when we saw all those things and thinking about like trying to find something 
and or trying to digitize these like I almost fainted thinking about having to deal with that. The sad reality of that is that there is more material in in, in storage here to be digitized mm-hmm. that I will be able to do in my lifetime. <laughs> and so I got over that one relatively quickly. <laughs> I could Just I could do nothing but mortality. digitization <laughs> every day for the next 20 years yeah. and still not be done. I am hoping, however, that between now and that day in the future, uh, that we will have things in place to where that kind of work can continue and will go forward. And whatever the new technologies, the new opportunities that are available to, you know, to us at that time, we'll be able to take advantage of. And yeah. you know, the more ways we can make these materials available to where people are looking for them, mm-hmm. uh, that's what we want to do. We want to. We're not going to be cutting edge, but we want to at least be close enough yeah. that we can make an impact yeah. and, uh, and make a difference. What is this place's role in the city? Well, our primary role is to inform not just the city government, but really anyone who wants to uh, come in and uh, do research. Now, a lot of the records that are stored here are accessible by contacting the department that created them. Planning records are a very common one, for example. Uh, You contact that department and say, I need this kind of material, and they'll tell you uh, what is available to be looked at publicly. Now, as far as the vault is concerned, the part that I manage specifically, Mm -hmm. everything in the vault is open to the public 100% with no restrictions. The only caveat is that uh, since I'm really the only full-time staff, uh, letting me know in advance yeah. what you want to look at would make my job easier because I can make it available. Yeah. Or if it's something I don't have, I might be able to say, well, I don't have this, but so-and-so may have it. Mm-hmm. And so I can kind of uh, steer them over in a direction that will hopefully that'll be more productive for them. Because we don't have everything. As a matter of fact, the type of material we have is very, very minutia-driven, very, very specific to government, very, very primary. Yeah. And so that means there's a lot of type, types of materials that aren't going to fall in, the, in, that, uh, you know, in that description. I know there's a lot here. What's the most important thing here, in your opinion? The most important thing here is really whatever someone really needs the most. Right. I mean, everything in here is going to be subjective. That's I mean, I have, I mean, we, again, the, 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 uh, the breadth of material we have is so wide, it's impossible to uh, say this is the most important yeah. piece. Truth be told, there's always something new that might show up. And that might be the most, you know, that might be the most interesting find of the day. One thing I love about this job is that I learn something every single day when I come to work. Mm-hmm. That may not have been my goal when I got in the door in the morning, but I always learn something because someone is going to say, hey, I need to find this. And I'll find it for them. I'll learn something in the yeah. process. Or if I don't find it for them and I find something else instead that's interesting but not something I can use right now but I tuck that away in the back of my you head bookmark it yeah I bookmark it and come back to it later say oh that's that's interesting do you yeah. know we'll use that do you get like is there ever things where someone will request something and you'll be shocked that it's actually like it's here anything that you just had no idea that this sort of thing was actually here that still does happen occasionally <laughs> there are there are still those finds that oh I didn't know we had these and of course at the same time that means oh man I'm kicking myself because someone asked about something like that a year ago or this grad student was asking something like this five years ago. If I had only known, it's literally, if I knew now what I knew then, I could have, uh, I could have helped them. Yeah. You know, there's always, a little, there's always a little bit of that. Yeah. 
I guess that's part of accepting that mortality will come and this won't be digitized. And <laughs> well, a, a, a friend of mine, a friend of mine was a uh, a um, a biographer of a, a very well-known silent film actor for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Knew everything about him. He's probably the the leading expert on this guy. And so he wrote a a, a definitive biography. Six months after it was published, <laughs> some material comes out of the woodwork from uh, basically this guy's agent's family that cleared up a lot of the things that were still unresolved, you know, 75 years later. Oh, so I asked him, I said, so what do you do now? And he looked at me and said, oh, second edition. Yeah. <laughs> Go around and that's exactly what he did, too. He wrote an expanded second edition. So, the, you know, that's, you know, the, the biographer's curse. <laughs> So, yeah, we, we live with that one, too. Yeah. So what is your personal favorite thing that you found in here? Uh, for me, it's always going to be whatever the next discovery is. Yeah. There have been a few things that we've actually gone out and found. And I mean literally gone out, found them, and brought them in. Uh, one example is there, there was a section of the old Zanha pipe that was dug up in Chinatown a few years ago when they had cleared out uh, the Blossom Plaza project, which, you know, you see it from the Gold Line Station when yeah. you come into Chinatown. Well, they had dug up the parking lot, and they had discovered a piece of the old Zanha water pipe, basically brick and concrete, and it had been buried there, and they uncovered it. Wow. So they dug up this big piece of it. They were going to, and it's now been making the rounds. I'm told there's at least two installations <laughs> that want to use pieces of that pipe. Uh-huh. Well, when they, when they pulled it out of the ground, it basically collapsed on them. But they're going to they're going to reconstruct okay, okay. it for the for the for these installations. But there are a lot of bricks. Now you don't find sections of the Zanha very often, yeah. and that was the kind of three dimensional artifact that we really don't have very much of. And so I decided I had to get one. Yeah. I had to get you know some of these bricks, and so I worked out worked it out with the council district office who represented the area. Guy from Public Works was also interested, so we kind of pulled our uh, you know pulled our energies together yeah. and give me the bricks <laughs> and so we went so we went down there we picked uh, I, I picked about three or four of them and he picked a few for his collection wow. and so I've got them in the uh, in the vault now don't know exactly what I'm going to do with them but really but but the, the, the key thing was to take advantage of the opportunity to get it yeah and so every time I take the gold line in and we stop at the Chinatown station I look over and I see that completed Blossom Plaza project and I remember the hole in the ground that used to be there a couple of years ago and I think to myself I'm glad I did that then because there's no way in hell I can, oh, yeah. I can do it again <laughs> you know that opportunity has come and gone yeah. I was there for it and yeah and so, so those sorts of things pop okay. up occasionally okay. yeah there aren't a lot of like you said like three-dimensional it's mostly like you know books and maps and paper yeah. and mm-hmm. things like that where do those if they find you know a Mission Bell or something like where does that go if they find that sort of thing in the city? Oh, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> I there, there probably would be. I guess it would depend on who would would find it more of interest. Yeah, yeah. like the Natural I mean, History Museum or something. Well, the Natural History Museum would be a would be a good choice. Uh, I mean, an example, say like a like a Mission Bell, for example. Well, there you have a little bit of competition from possibly the archdiocese. Oh, that's true. The Mission San Fernando is where the archdiocese archives are. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they are, of course, one of the older missions, and so mm-hmm. maybe they would be the best repository for that. Maybe right. the uh, History Museum might be good yeah. for it. Uh, be an interesting maybe fight even, over uh, it. Maybe even El Pueblo, oh, you, yeah, know, yeah, over the, yeah. you know, the, uh, you know, the old city center. 
it's, it, I think some of that is on a, it's on a case-by-case basis. You know, it, whatever turns up today may – and there are some things that we've, we, we've been asked to, uh, to take in, and we've turned them down. We don't do donations okay. terribly often. Uh, someone presented some materials of um, some scrapbook clippings and some materials related to the 1932 Olympics here in town. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't really have that much in the way of, of, of Olympic material, although we do have some 84 material. because yeah. you know. There's a rug on the wall right next to it. Um, <laughs> but in that particular case, we decided, you know, we're probably not the best source for that. Uh, we actually can uh, talk to the, uh, we referred them to the LE84 Foundation. Right. Yeah. Because we knew that, uh, that they're kind of on the, they're kind of on the hunt for uh, yeah. Olympic materials. And so we figured it's more up their alley than ours. Yeah. And so we just, you know, we let them take that. The teamwork is nice. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, colla- well we try to be more collaborative. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we've done projects with Public Works and the library, El Pueblo. Uh, the California African American Museum has got an exhibit right now. We've got materials with. Uh, it's kind of frightening to, to, for us to realize that, you know, we actually have things people want to exhibit. Yeah. Yeah. There was an exhibit uh, at uh, Princeton a couple of years ago. And they said, hey, can we get a hold of some of your uh, planning department uh, re- uh, reports and um, uh, studies for this thing? They were contrasting three cities, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, Chicago, and uh, New York. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to have urban planning type oh, okay. materials from each of those three cities. And so they contacted us, can we use some of these? Sure. So we let them, uh, we, they told us what they wanted. We sent it off to them. They came back beautiful and perfect condition (laughs) and um, no it was just it's just something that we've always been something that we've we've taken in materials and we've kept them and we've held them and you know they're used here but being a lending institution is something new for us it's something that we really didn't do very much of until maybe four or five years ago and so our you know our role is changing and expanding and we're 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 anxious to do it but we also have to be cautious too because we are dealing with a lot of irreplaceable public materials yeah yeah, that's, I was also, because there's so much flammable stuff that's in there. Like, how is that? I'm assuming, obviously, there's like a lot of sprinkler systems and things like that. But Well, that was one thing we didn't touch on. But uh, in the record center, in the big warehouse, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, there is a sprinkler system in there. Mm-hmm. And so if something happens, uh, the sprinklers will go off and things will get wet. Yeah. In the vault, that's a different story because we're, we, again, we have, a lot of it is old paper. Mm. And so you don't want water anywhere near that. Yeah. I didn't show you this, but there are a couple of, of uh, big red tanks that have a halon gas. What that stuff is supposed to do, there are basically jets in the ceiling. <laughs> and if, uh, if, we, if we trigger the alarm, it's basically one of those where you have a key and you oh, turn the key and cool. push a button. Yeah. <laughs> You, an alarm goes off, and you have 30 seconds, is my understanding, before the gas is released. The idea is for everyone to get out of the space, because what the hell on gas is supposed to do is it, it, the, it emits from the ceiling, and on its way down, it pushes all the oxygen out of the room to put out any potential wow. fire. Okay. So that way, it's basically a waterless fire suppression system. We've never had to deploy it since it was installed in 1981, and it's a good thing, too, because we can only use it once. (laughs) No, Halon is now recognized as a CFC 
fluorocarbon. It is destructive to the ozone layer, and we <laughs> cannot replace it. Okay. <laughs> now, what do we replace it with? I have no idea. Full-time so, fireman. Yeah. Hydrogen. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, am, I, am hope, I am hoping that we'll be able to get through the next 20 years and not have to deploy yeah, it. I had no idea we were in a gas chamber for the last <laughs> half hour. <laughs> it's terrifying. Here's a weird question, but I'm sure you can answer it. What would LA be without this place? Uh, well, first of all, I'll be less informed yeah. mm-hmm. because so much of the information we have here, and I've this is one of my favorite catchphrases, and so it's I think it's worth uh, repeating. You can't Google 99% of the stuff that we have stored here. Mm-hmm. 99% of the materials that we have in storage here are not digitized. And so that means that if you go online trying to find all of your answers, you're going to be woefully underinformed. Yeah. And when push comes to shove in the critical uh, competitive environment that we've got today, mm-hmm. you know, where you need to be right <laughs> as often as possible. Uh, we know. <laughs> um, you're going to be wrong, yeah. you know, a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I've, I haven't quite been able to get around to it yet, but another one of my outreach projects is to get in touch with some of the, uh, some of the high school mm-hmm. history classes. Because when they need to do some of their history projects, and if they do their local city uh, history projects, this is one of those resources that I, I personally believe they could, yeah. you know, definitely benefit from. Mm-hmm. And to throw in the, oh, by the way, if you ever need a competitive edge on your classmates <laughs> yeah. who are going online and using everything online instead of actually doing good old-fashioned, old-school, hand-based research, yeah. you know, you come into our office I guarantee you, you'll get not only an a, you'll, you'll get the A, yeah, because you'll have materials here that no one else will have access to, That's right. unless they all come in at once and then they're all <laughs> doing the same things and then it's just however they choose to present it. Yeah, yeah. it's like you the know. documentaries. All exactly, over. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. I'm a, a library and information student, or I was, and. Uh, Right away, they, they told us, like, you know, only 14% of information is really digitized at this point. And I, every once in a while, I'll have to go to the library and look up some old newspaper, and I'll find something mm-hmm. that I did not. I can't even find. When, after I knew it, I went searching online for it. I couldn't find any information. It, it's, yeah, it's a lot out there that's not yeah. ready for everybody. Uh, yeah, you were saying, like, it's this is, like, the primary source of the city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of the stuff we have in here is primary. In other words, the city created it, mm-hmm. or it was given to the city from another, from maybe another source. Yeah. But most of it was actually generated by the city. Now, whether you choose to accept the city's version of facts or not, (laughs) that's entirely up to you. But the source of that information is is mostly uh, beyond dispute. The next question, what's the strangest thing that's ever happened here? The strangest thing that's ever happened here... Um, there isn't one thing really that uh, that comes to mind because we are open to the public. Occasionally, we'll have people come in who um, probably are not our our kind of clientele. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I can't I can't be more specific than that because <laughs> uh, it, when, when you're when you're open to the public and especially and, and if you've ever and, and you know the people who hang around libraries. Yes. Yes. Same. You know, oh, same do. sort of thing. <laughs> Although because. Our, this, the, the actual facility here at Piper Tech is actually a little bit more secure. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, if you drive out of the property, uh, there's a great big yellow, no public access. <laughs> now, that doesn't refer to us, and I'll, ex- yeah. and I'll explain why. Almost every space here at uh, Piper Tech mm-hmm. 
is basically closed shop. Part of uh, the Department of Transportation is here. General Services right. is here. Uh, part of the LAPD Crime Lab is here. Uh, the air support unit for LAPD and the fire department are here. Yeah. So you have a lot of you have a lot of offices here that, if you aren't a vendor or if you're not an employee or you have some specific business, other than that, you have no reason yeah. to be here at all. <laughs> However, there are two exceptions, and we're one of them uh -huh. because again we're open to the public, yes. access to public records. The other is the elections division. Oh, right, right. And so the elections division is actually over here on the third floor as well. And, you know, you do not interfere with the democratic process. <laughs> yeah. And so they're open to the public, we're open to the public, and that's it. <laughs> so any sort of character who is wandering around yeah. has only two places they can really <laughs> safely wander into and yeah. that's going to be ourselves and the elections and generally um if someone comes into our office we'll send them over to elections and we know elections does the same thing to us so it's it's fair but no collaboration we're talking about but no as far as but it, to be serious for a minute yeah. uh the most serious thing that's ever really happened over here is back in 1985 there was a no excuse me 1995 okay there was actually an, a worksite shooting Oh boy. Here. Uh, not in this office, uh -huh. but actually here at Piper Tech. It was on the first floor. As a matter of fact, uh, we've got a little little courtyard uh -huh. here on the third floor between ourselves and where elections is. Yeah. And there's actually a commemorative plaque mm -hmm. uh, basically commemorating the four guys who were basically shot and killed. Wow. And uh, every July 16th, I believe, is the actual anniversary, someone comes and lays a wreath. Yeah. At that, uh, at that plaque every year. And so that's one of those moments where, you know, I mean, whatever else is going on, you, you know, you, 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 you take pause for at least for a minute mm -hmm. to realize, yeah, you know, this, you know, real stuff happens here. Yeah. 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 You know, it's not, it's not all just, uh, you know, historic records. It's not all just elections. It's not, you know, the yeah. real people, you know, things happen. Yeah. You know, things happen here. Yeah. What's this place's best-kept secret? Uh, I think the best-kept secret is still the fact that uh, that most people don't know we're here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's. I mean, one public. of the reasons that uh, that I do things like these, uh, like these interviews and mm -hmm. newspaper stories, and any you know, anytime you put a microphone in front of me, <laughs> I'll go on for a yeah. week. <laughs> is I want people to know that we exist. Yeah, uh, there are still a lot of people who think that we're actually part of the library. The library is great, but. Mm -hmm. We're not part of the library system. Yeah, we're part of the city clerk, and so because that is a a, a, a very central information source, mm -hmm. uh, we're part of that. And so because of that, we need to make sure that what I wanted, what I want to be able to do, is to remove all of the obstacles from someone saying, "Oh, I can't find what I want." I want to remove all of the the logistical obstacles <laughs> and just kind of leave the ones saying, "Well, you're lazy." You know, yeah. you you know, if, you know, if you couldn't find something, it's because you didn't go looking for it, not because we didn't make it available yes. to you. Yeah. You know, not because the government got in the way of your right of information. <laughs> no, no, we're 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 definitely trying to defeat that. Yeah. We're going to bring this up with the elections <laughs> office. <laughs> yeah. When when is the best time to come here? Well, we're open to the public Monday through Thursdays and alternate Fridays. Okay. We're open eight to five. We don't close for lunch like some offices do, so you can show up at 8.01, and as long as you're out of here by 4.59, you're welcome to come in and uh, make a day of it. Right. Uh, there is not a, I know, and I know what your next question is mm. going to be, so 
I, but uh, but there there is not a lot of food. Yeah. On on this part uh, on this side of Union Station, mm-hmm. there is a food truck that does show up on the second floor Sam's for a couple catering. of hours. Sam's catering. <laughs> Uh, there's a Denny's across the street, right which there. changes hands quite uh, quite regularly these <laughs> days. Uh, other than that, your best sources of uh, nourishment are either going to be going through Union Station, and it's actually an, it's actually a pleasant walk. You yeah. go through the tunnel, you go through uh, the historic Union Station, which looks gorgeous now. And there's a couple of restaurants in there, mm-hmm. a couple of little places to eat. Or you can go one block further if you dare and cross Alameda and go to Alvera Street. <laughs> And there you're in the heart of, you know, the oldest part of the city of Los Angeles, and there are several good restaurants Mm -hmm. over there. There's even a new uh, white tablecloth place that just opened up. So they're trying to create a place for people to go after work instead of just, you know, closing, you know, rolling up the sidewalks at 6 o'clock. Yeah, the tourists. Oh, I can ask the the other question. Sure, go ahead. The other last question. Yeah. Where do you eat? (laughs) Um, Where should you park if you want to come here? Because we're close to Union Station, I strongly suggest public transportation. Okay. You can take any of the the gold line, the blue line, the purple line, the red line, Mm -hmm. any of the buses, Amtrak, Metrolink, any of the the transportation systems that will get you to Union Station. You basically walk through the tunnel, go out the Petsaurus Plaza Mm -hmm. side, cross the street, and Piper Tech is pretty much right there. And so it's easy in that respect to get to. And again, public parking is possible here, but as I mentioned before, the the little public access policy Mm -hmm. uh, does sometimes work against people actually driving onto the property. However, if they're successful in getting onto the property and driving on, there is open air parking up on the third floor, which is the same floor that we're located on. Uh, There are spots near city vehicles and police cars that take up a lot of the spots up here, but there are are signs indicating that this part of the wall is open for visitor and this one is permit and this one's for visitor. And so there are ways to get out of the property, but I strongly suggest public transportation. Just avoid the helicopter landing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we also are in a red and gray building. Just anybody should know that. Yeah. We didn't know that. <laughs> coming in. Yeah. Piper Tech's kind of an, is kind of an odd duck in uh, construction. It does look something like mid-century Soviet gulag. <laughs> but its original intention was to take all of these little city offices mm-hmm. that were stuck all over downtown when down when they wanted to redevelop the Civic Center downtown area, they had a warehouse that was being leased. They had a parking garage that was being used by the city. They had a floor two in this little building here that they wanted to basically redevelop. We need to put these in some central location. Um, let's put it over here. Let's call it the. Let's put the Piper Center right here because we own that parcel. Yeah. And we'll put all of these bits and pieces. <laughs> I, I refer to it as the city's junk drawer. <laughs> where you've got a little bit of the transportation department, yeah. a little bit of the general services department, a little bit of the crime lab, a little bit of uh, LEPD and public works and uh, street lighting. I mean, the, I mean, we're right next door to where the, uh, the parking meter money is counted. <laughs> So there's there's, all, there. yeah. there's also a good luck getting in there. The armor the, the armored truck drivers carry guns. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. So if you see a if you see a nickel outside yeah. our door here on the loading dock, leave it alone. Yeah. How well protected is their vault? <laughs> I want to get in there. But um, so Piper Tech is kind of is kind of an interesting yeah, that's city experience for a lack of a better term. But it's also fascinating in a lot of respects yeah. because 
we've got great views from up here. Yeah. I mean, you can see Dodger Stadium. You can see Union Station. You can see where the 6th Street Bridge used to be. Yeah. I mean, I've watched that thing come down slowly over the last year, and one day the arch is there, and then the next day it's gone. So it'll be interesting to see in a few years when they put the new one in. What it's going to look like yeah. from here. I mean, you can see the uh, you can see the trains coming and going. Right. You know, we're along the river, so you can see you know the river itself. And sometimes there'll be a you know train on the Alameda corridor. So it's it's an interesting place to to uh, to look at the city from. Yeah, getting a couple of interesting views from up yeah. here. Essential part of the city too, just like all panoramic, just all the way around. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a good spot. Yeah. Well, that's all we have. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having us oh, a lot. Sure. Thanks, Thanks for the tour and, and everything. Uh, you know, let me know if uh, you know if you, if, uh, you guys need anything else. Uh, if I can actually put in a uh, a, a quick little commercial for uh, for the archive, please. Uh, we alluded to the uh, the possibility of tours, mm-hmm. and let me explain that a little bit. Yes, Even though we are open to the public during the week, and they're certainly welcome to come in. Uh, occasionally on Saturdays, I will, when the office is closed, I will uh, open the place up for a tour. Groups can certainly uh, have been the most have been the most consistent uh, requester, but anyone wants to, uh, you know, take a tour. We, tr- we try to format it to where it's maybe about two hours, say 10 a.m. to noon. Mm-hmm. You're done by noon. You're out of here. We'll uh, meet downstairs. Anyone who's interested can, uh, I don't have any dates up right now, right. but anyone who wants to request a date, I'm open to that. Mm-hmm. They can contact me at uh, my city email, which is, now spell it out. Please it would me. basically be my first name, last name. Uh, so it would be Michael. M-I-C-H-A-E-L, followed by a dot, and then the last name, which is Holland, and that's spelled H-O-L-L-A-N-D, at lacity.org. And email works better for me as opposed to phone calls because the voicemail system here, a message will sit for days at a time and not show up on our phones. And so I prefer, I prefer email because it follows me everywhere, nights, weekends, it follows me, I'll respond. And uh, what will happen is we'll meet downstairs, we'll take you up. And the elevator, we'll walk around the uh, the third floor a little bit, point out the elections division, talk a little bit about the the building's history, and then we'll come in. We'll go through the reading room, which is where we're doing the interview. Yeah. We'll do the record center. We'll do the vault, and then we'll do show and tell. Because when the office is closed, I'll bring artifacts and things out from the vault. I'll set them up on tables and cover them up and then do a big reveal and people can ooh and ah and <laughs> take pictures, ask questions and uh, that sort of thing. So it is one of those, it, again, it's one of those hidden gems that, uh, that I really want people to uh, know about. And as I said, we're open to doing that. And so, you know, we're we're taxpayer supported, you know. You know, you own us, so take advantage of us. <laughs> yeah, I we recommend that. that yeah. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thirtieth at approximately five p.m., this girl left her home supposedly en route to a picture show. Now, somewhat later, she was observed by her sister in company with a male companion. The companion was identified, and later, the mother of this girl called his home. He explained that uh, she had attended a dance with him, but had left shortly afterwards with the girlfriend. Her name is Rosie Mraz, M-E-R-A-Z. She is of Mexican descent, 15 years old, weighs 105 pounds, is 5 feet 4 and 1 half inches tall, has light brown hair and brown eyes, a light complexion, has several small scratch marks on her face. It is feared that she is skeptical about returning home, as she does not want to face the possibility of being reprimanded by her mother. The mother has assured us, however, that she will only be too happy for Rosie to return and that the past will be forgotten. 
So if by chance Rosie Mraz is listening to this broadcast, or perhaps someone of you know the present whereabouts of this girl, kindly call our Juvenile Missing Persons Office at Madison 7911. Since our last broadcast of this girl, the mother has contacted our office and once again has asked to have the photograph televised. Apparently, it is not an uncommon habit of this girl's to run away from her home, as it is reported that she disappeared about three years ago. However, she remained away for only a short time. On the 20th of May, she again left home. This time, it is believed that she disappeared with a boyfriend. She had on one occasion expressed the desire to marry the boy, and she may be in Arizona or perhaps Nevada by this time. Her name is Dorothy Ann Boguz, B-O-G-U-S-Z. The photograph is not too clear, but unfortunately, it is the only one that the mother had at her disposal. And Dorothy uh, is Caucasian. She is 17 years of age, weighs 110 pounds, is 5 feet 4 inches tall. She has platinum blonde hair and blue eyes. She is very attractive and could pass for a person of 21. Up until the time that she left home, she was working regularly in a cleaning establishment. However, when she did leave that particular evening, she borrowed some money from her employer, and she stated that she would pay it back as soon as she received her paycheck. She has not been seen uh, since then, either by her employer or by the family. Maybe you can aid in finding this 17-year-old girl, Dorothy Boguz. We do not have a great deal of information concerning this person. Her name is Anna Giles, G-I-L-E-S. She is Caucasian, 36 years of age, is 5 feet 2 inches tall, and weighs only 95 pounds, has blonde hair and green eyes. The husband reports that she was last observed in Santa Monica, California. He further stated that they have three small children, and they are desperately in need of her. At the present time, the children are with him, and it is rather difficult for him to take care of them in the manner that they are accustomed to. So if you should by chance know where Mrs. Anna Giles, that is G-I-L-E-S, may be, do not hesitate to call your local police department.